0: It's good to see you here this morning and a few weeks ago I talked a little bit about worship but as we're talking about the bride of Christ and what it means to be the bride that's who you and I are, His bride and we want to keep remembering that in our lives that we belong to Christ because He loved us and gave Himself for us and being a part of that. As we think about the bride, the preeminent attitude of the bride ought to be worship. More than anything else that you and I do it ought to be that we worship our Savior, our Lord, our God That ought to be more important to us than anything else that we do in being a part of it. You know, there's lots of books that are written about how to be the church and how to be a good church, a great church, how to do this, how to do that. We'd like to talk about ourselves a lot as the church, but what we need to be understanding that the, the attitude of the bride ought not to be so much focused on herself as much as on her groom, upon the one that she loves and who has loved her in the way that he has loved her and being a part of it. When we get so focused on ourselves, when we begin to think about ourselves in every way and everything we talk about what we're doing and how we're doing it all those kind of things if we're not careful we evolve into an attitude of religion instead of an attitude of relationship. Instead of knowing that we are belonging to God and who he is and what he means to us and and how we ought to relate to him and the things that are going on, we get caught up in this idea of religion. And when we do that, we get caught up in the idea of what can I do? And we start pointing out our activities. See what we're doing? We're doing this and we're doing that and we're involved in this and we're involved in that. We begin to pat ourselves on the back and we begin to think about, you know, really what it is all about is our works, what we have and what we are. We're pretty good. God's lucky to have us as his bride. I mean, how could he be any luckier than to have us as the bride of Christ? And we get to thinking that and we get to feeling that and and we lose sight of the fact that what really is involved is that we have a God who so loved us that he came seeking us out and called us by name and invited us to be a part of his family and in doing so included us in that which is called the church, the bride, the very one that he wants to present to his son spotless and unblemished one day when we stand before him in heaven at that great wedding feast that's coming. I remind you again, the date has been set. It's on the calendar. Now, I don't know what it is, and I don't know anybody that does. I know a lot of people who think they do, but I don't know anyone who does know when that day is. God does. And when that day comes, and we'll talk about that when we come to the end of this series, when that day comes, God's going to come send his son to pick up his bride, and we're going to be with him forever and forever. But how are we supposed to be living in the meantime? What does it mean? And we need to understand that what we are involved in is loving Him. And what we want to learn and, and teach ourselves and remind ourselves is that more than anything else, what God desires from us is our love, our adoration, our praise. He wants us to be rightly related to Him and adore Him for all that He is and be, all that He has done in our lives and what He's accomplished for us. I'm going to read a couple of passages from Scripture, one in Matthew and one in Romans this morning. I'm going to read in Matthew 20, 22, verses 37 and 38. And then I'm going to move to Romans and read out of chapter 11, verse 33, through chapter 12, verse 2. And in those sections, we're going to see one of them in Matthew. You'll remember Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he responds by telling them. And that's what we are as the bride. We need to hear that, and we need to understand that, and we need to take it to heart and know this is what God says is the most important thing that he ever gave us. And if it's that important to God, it ought to be important to us as his bride. And then also we see something of the wonder and the idea of worship that we ought to have as we look in the book of Romans. But I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we honor God's word and allow it to just speak to our hearts this morning. First of all, in Matthew verses 30, chapter 22, verses 37 and 38, the scripture says, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And then in Romans, when we move to Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 33 and reading through verse 2 of chapter 12, the scripture says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that which is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we look at these passages, but more than just these passages, we understand and know that your word is filled with verse after verse regarding that you are praiseworthy, that you are full of majesty and holiness and righteousness. Father, we need to understand that that which you desire from us more than anything else is that we would learn how to love you with all of our hearts, all of our soul, our mind, our strength, that we would give that undivided love to you in such a way that we would honor you and glorify you and everything that we are and everything that we're about. Father, just keep reminding us over and over that we're your bride, that you died for us, that you purchased us with your own precious blood, that you paid the highest price that could ever be paid, more, ima- more beyond imagination than anything that we can do. All the wealth of the world couldn't measure up to the price that you paid so that you could have us as your bride, so that you could love us, so that you could give us yourself in your fullness in all that you are. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would just remind us of the attitude of worship that we need to have, of the realization that what we need more than anything else, guiding our lives and directing our thoughts and our decisions, and what we need in our relationships with one another, in our relationship with you, and all that we are, is that we need to be a people who are in love with you who worship you, who adore you and honor you and give recognition to you in all things that are going on. And so I pray this morning, Father, that you just remind us of those things that we already know. I know there's nothing that I can say this morning that we haven't all heard over and over again. There's nothing new that I can add to anything. But, Father, sometimes we just need to be reminded that what you desire more than anything else is us just to love you. Just to love you. And I pray that you would put that on our hearts this morning in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we think about this and as we look at the concept of it, for a long time among, uh, in our Baptist convention, and you'll have to forgive me for going there sometimes. I've been telling people lately I gave up being a Baptist and became a Christian. But but, uh, you'll have to remember that we, in our church, in our convention, for a long time we kept saying we need to get back to the main thing. We need to do the main thing. And the main thing they kept talking about was evangelism. Well, obviously evangelism is important. Missions is important. But that's not the main thing, folks. The main thing is worship. It's worship. If we have a heart that's right with God, we will do the things God expects of us. We will do evangelism. We will do missions. We'll do all those things that God expects of His bride while we live here on earth. But what He wants more than anything else is that we love Him. And if we love Him, then those things become the natural outflow of that love to the things that you and I are a part of and the things that are going on. And so what we need to understand and and see as we look at this is that what God wants most is our worship and being a part of it. We need to know that worship is about God. It's not about you and it's not about me. See, there's only one audience in worship, and it's God. And we're not here to be entertained, and we're not here to be patted on the back, and we're not here to be told all the things that we are about and the things that are going on. We're here if we come come with the right attitude to worship Him, to, to meet with Him, and to know what He has to say to us today. See, God loves you so much that He wants to speak into your heart this very moment. He wants to speak into your heart every moment of your life. He he wants to remind you of how great is his love for you. We, We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. We're able to love him. We're able to love one another because God has loved us so very much. And so it's about him. I want you to understand this morning that none of us in this room and none of those who may be viewing by Facebook or anybody else you know is worthy of worship. Now, I know we worship athletes, and I know we worship musicians, and we worship actors, and we put all kinds of people on pedestals, but no one on this earth is worthy of worship. There's only one person that's worthy of our worship, and that's the Lord God. And yet, we don't give Him that undivided attention, that that undivided love that belongs to Him and being a part of that and all that we're going on. And so we need to learn again that, that we want to worship our God, that we want to learn how to give Him everything. When we learn how to genuinely worship, that which will be most important to us is to meet with Him and to experience Him. So we come into our sanctuaries on Sunday mornings and, and most of us come. I mean, we're being good Christians and we come to church and we're doing our thing. But, but what we spend our time, we're already, as we get here, we're, we're wanting to know about this and that. And we're already planning what we're going to do as soon as the service is over. And most of us are hoping that the preacher's not feeling too good and I'll have a short sermon. And so that they'll, they'll be able to get out and go home as quickly as possible and get to their meal and do the other things that are going on. I gave you another chance there and you didn't take it. Huh? <laughs> Corn planter told me the other day I talked too fast and he didn't get a chance to say didn't get a chance to say Amen when I said something about going, talking too much and so uh, I was just giving you another chance there but you didn't take it but Wayne took it instead so we'll just go ahead and but we come with all kinds of attitudes and, and thoughts but we don't come with the sense that I, don't, I want to meet God when I get there see the sanctuary is a, is a beautiful place and it's a place but it's it's not anything special about it unless God's here. But he promised that if we were to come into his presence with thanksgiving, if we were to come into his place, of his house, with a joy, with a praise on our hearts, that he would inhabit the praise of his people. That he himself would be a part of what we're doing. And I know we need to understand, we need to keep it in mind, the Holy Spirit of the living God dwells within each and every one of us if we're truly children of God. If we have trusted Christ, He's with us. And so He's always wherever we are. I know that and I understand that but we need to understand true, that the Bible says very clearly that it's when we gather together as a people of God and we come together with one heart and one mind and one desire to praise and worship him that he comes in a way unbelievable a way unknown in everyday situations and he inhabits that praise and he makes himself known so that you and I can walk out of this place today understanding and knowing today I have met with God God came to me in this place and he spoke into my heart and he taught me those things I needed to know and he reminded me how precious I am in his sight and how much he loves me and how much he desires to have a relationship to me with me that is more than just a Sunday morning kind of thing but a day-by-day walk with him that experiences the wonder and the joy and the peace and all that he is and being a part of it that's when we begin to understand what worship is worship is when we see God for who he is and we understand that he alone is worthy see the word worship means worth it means weight. It means that he, has, he has, deserves the weight of, our, of his glory, the weight of our praise, the weight of our worship of him. He deserves that. He's worthy of it because of who he is. Not just because of what he does. See, if we use worship as a means by which we try to get something from God, to bargain with God. Well, God, I went to church today, so you owe me something. Yeah, I, I've been good. I, 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 I mean, I made it three weeks in a row. God, you're so far in my debt; you'll never get out of it. <laughs> then we miss because, see, God won't be used—not by you, not by me, not by anyone. He'll never be used by us. But He will be praised, and He will give Himself to us. We don't master worship. Worship comes to master us by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he pours himself into our lives, and He has, having redeemed us, he loves us. And he's in the business of sanctifying us and teaching us and growing us and conforming us to be more and more like the people he wants us to be, more and more like the bride he desires for us to be. But we need to understand that he's worthy of that worship, that he, he, desire, he deserves all that worship and all the things that goes on being a part of it. When we worship God, we enthrone him on our, on our, in our own lives. He alone is the master. He alone is the one who deserves our reverence and our attitude of love and the things that are going on and being a part of it. He will always beyond our, be beyond our understanding. Even as those those verses in Romans talked about, he he is so far above what you and I can know and imagine. There's a mystery about him. But it is that wonder that allows us to worship him and to know him. See, if I could explain God to you, he wouldn't be worth knowing. If I could tell you everything that you need to know about God and, and just unveil all the truths about God there are to know, then He wouldn't be any different than you and me. He wouldn't be worthy of our worship. He wouldn't be worthy of our praise. There's something about Him that is always going to be so majestic and so holy and so amazing that as we look at Him, we can't help but look with awe that this God who spoke in everything that He is became this God who spoke and the sin of my life was cast away as he put himself, that living word upon the cross of Calvary and died to pay for my sin and to give me an opportunity to know him and to love him and to realize how great his love is for me. This God loves you and me and so longs to know us better and us to know him better. would be more rightly. He knows everything about us. But for us to know him in the way that he is. He's such a loving God, such a God worthy of our worship. See, it's, it's not really something that ought to be optional as a bride. We ought to be in love with him. We ought to want to just worship and, and adore all that he is. But, you know, just can you think about a bride? And she's, she's you know, the, she's got the date set and everything's ready and, and all she does is talk about her former boyfriends. And, and the other day she saw this guy walking down the street. Man, was he a hunk. I mean, that guy, he's worth looking at. And, and she talked about this and that. And all she did, and somebody said, well, what, what about your, what about your uh, prospective husband, your fiance? Oh, yeah, well, we're getting married. We've got a date set. But let me tell you about and go on and talk about someone else. Now, we wouldn't think she was too much in love with the guy she's about to get married, would we? If she never mentioned him, she never talked about him, and any time he's brought up, she changed the subject. That's what we do. We're ashamed to talk about Christ around other people. We'll talk about anything and everything, but not about Jesus. If that's brought up, we, boy, we change the subject as fast as we can. Do Go somewhere else. Go in a different direction. We do all that we can not to speak about our Savior, not to tell people about the One. Oh, we will even talk about our church. You say, hey, man, we got a good church. We got some great people at our church, and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing it. Well, why are you doing that? Well, we're just a good, great group of people. If we're doing it for any other reason than the fact that we love God so very much, that the outflow of our heart is that we long to study the Bible together, and so we have Sunday school. We love God so very much that the outflow of our heart is that we want everybody to know about it. And so we believe in evangelism and we believe in missions and and we do the outreach and we try to do ministry with people who have needs in their lives because we're so in love with our God and we know He loves them and He died for them and He wants them to know Him and I want them to know Him because He's such a great person to know. And I want everybody to know Him and, and I want everybody to experience Him and so we we do it our church and and, and, well how do you get the money to do all the oh we just love our God so very much he has blessed us with so much we have been so have manifold blessings we have more than we could ever ask or deserve in our lives. and so we find a great huge joy in being able to give back to our God and so we share our uh, what we call offerings and tithes and, and those kinds of things and we give them out of joy and we give them out of just the privilege of being able to share God and to be able to be a part of it because we know every time we give a little bit God's able to take it and make it's it a great deal and use it for the glory of his kingdom and to make a difference in someone's life. And so we love to give and we love to be a part of it because of who he is. Not because of anything we are or anything that we've done or will do or will be, but because of who he is. He is the Savior. We, we need to learn how to adore him, to worship him, to love him, to make him more important to us than anything else. That's why Jesus told those who were asking him a question, you know that time that always confuses people when he said, you can't really follow after me if you don't hate your mother and your brother and your father and your sister and, and all those kind of people. And we said, God, you, you're telling us to hate people? Absolutely not. He told us over and over and over that we're to love everyone else just as much as we love ourselves and more. Now what he was saying is in relationship to the love that you have for me, all these other relationships have to take second place. That's hard sometimes. It's hard to love my wife less than what I want to love God because I can see her. It's hard to love my children less than I love God because they mean so much to me and I want so much for them. But Jesus said, when I come to that place of genuine worship, when I come to that understanding of who I am in Him, that I will love Him. So much more than I love any other person, any other thing, any other part of this world. But it's in that kind of love that I discover the ability to be the best husband that I can possibly be. It's in that kind of love that I discover the ability to be the kind of father that I long to be. It's in that kind of love that I'm able to love my neighbor and reach out to other people because I am so in love with a God who so pours out his love in my life that that love can't be contained within his body, but it has to be spread to a world around me. That's what it is to worship. It is to free myself up, to be the vessel of the love of God so that he can love you through me. I don't have that ability In fact there's lots of times If I'm not careful I don't even want want it I don't want to love you I don't want to even like you I don't like some of the things you do and say But there's never a moment like that in God He loves me Every single day Despite the fact that there's not a day in my life That I've ever deserved it But He loves me With everything that He is And it's because he's so in love with me that I need to make it a preeminent attitude of my heart. God, I want to love you. I want to love you with everything that I am. I want to love you with everything that I know, with everything that I can do, with everything that I am. The Bible says that, in fact, I should be asking myself over and over, in this attitude, is this action, are these words, are these things that I'm a part of, are they bringing glory to God? Are they honoring God? Are they giving him the praise and the adoration that he deserves? Or are they causing damage to his character, damage to his nature, I mean, to his testimony, to the things that are there about him? Because people don't think very highly of him based upon the way I live. Don't think very highly of him on the way I say things. I mean, I'd be lifting him so high, everybody would say, man, I sure would like to know somebody like that. I sure would like to meet him. And then you and I have the greatest privilege in all of earth. To introduce them to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To introduce them to our groom, the Savior. The one who died for their sins. That they too might become a part of his bride. One day, presented to him, perfect, without blemish, pure, holy. Because they came to know the one who loved them like no one else. Could ever love them. We are called to worship the Lord God. To give him all that we are. To adore him. To praise him. To give him credit. You know, there's such a wonder of what we do. When we worship God. It changes us. You remember Isaiah in chapter 6. When he went into the temple. You all know the story well. and He saw the glory of God there and the angels flying around and they were crying out, holy, holy, holy. And all Isaiah could do was say, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man with unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm a sinner. What am I doing in the presence of a holy God? And the Bible says God took that confession and cleansed him Forgave him in that moment, as he, as we see the symbolism of the touching his tongue and being a part of that time and cleansing that sin that he had confessed. And then God issued an invitation, a challenge: Who might go for me to a lost world and speak of my glory and speak of my love and my forgiveness? And you remember Isaiah, see what he said? You're mine. Send me. See, the response of genuine worship is obedience. Whenever we truly worship the Lord, whenever we give God everything that he desires of us, when we are so in love with him that we can't help but want to talk about him and, and know him better. That's what Paul cried out. You remember when he said, I want to know him. This is Paul, the Christian, the missionary, the one who had started churches. This was Paul who had been stoned and had been beaten and had been imprisoned and almost drowned. This is Paul who every one of us would look up to and say, have you ever met a Christian? That would be the guy that you met. And his desire of his heart was, oh, I want to know him. I want to know him better than I've ever known him before. I want to know him in the fullness of the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him. See, that needs to be the heart cry of our lives as Christians. And i don't mean that to say that you and i need to find some little place that we can put ourselves off as in some place sequestered from everybody and everything no we need to live out our lives the way god's planted us where we are being who we are being the people we are the teachers and the farmers and the bankers and the lawyers and, and all the other things that we are we need to be all those kinds of things the the parents and, and the children and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles we just need to live out our lives but we need to do it under the understanding of what a privilege it is to be able to be in this position, loved by God, given the gift of being able to know Him and honor Him with my life and to use my life to celebrate the wonder of who He is. Then we begin to worship. When He becomes more important, when He becomes that which directs my thoughts and my attitudes. Folks, I don't know how to worship the way I need to. I wouldn't stand here by any means and say, I've got it figured out. Because I don't. But I do know that until I come to that place in my own life that I'm willing to say, God, I want to hear what you've said. I want to love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, and with all of my mind. With everything within me, I want to learn how to love you. Because I know you gave me everything you had. held nothing back. You put yourself on the cross and poured yourself out and said, this is how much I love you. Now you've given me the opportunity as your bride because you paid that bride price because you called me into that relationship to be able to learn how to love you more and to want to tell people about that love. And we'll look more at those things in the days ahead, but Right now, I think what we just need to do is God help me to learn. Well, Maybe God help me to have a desire to worship you. That's where it's got to start. i got to want to. I can go through books and I can read all the things about, that have been written about worship and all these different attitudes and different things about it. But until I have a desire in my heart that says, I want to worship you. I want to love you. And I can't get anywhere. But with that desire, then God can take it and begin to mold it and grow it and develop it in such a way that I begin to understand how to worship. And it won't happen overnight probably for most of us. It'll be a growing thing. We'll love him a little bit more today. I'm sure most of us in this room would be able to say without any question, I love God today more Than I did when I first met him. Or at least I hope you can. And if you can't. Boy you really need to spend some time with him. And and our attitude. Our desire should be that. For however long he allows us to walk the face of this earth. That we'll continue to learn how to love him even more. Because we want to. Be with the one. Who gave so much to us. I want to. I want to praise him. I want to give him my adoration. I want to give him myself. That's the best gift that I have to offer. It's not a very good one, but it's the best I got. And that's what he wants. So we're going to pray together, and then after we pray, we're going to stand, and we're going to have a hymn of invitation. The invitation hymn is just a time for us to respond to whatever it is that God is saying in our own hearts. There may be something that needs to be done in your life that needs some kind of public expression. You need to come and just kneel and pray and spend some time with the Father here. Maybe you need to come and confess your faith in Christ for the very first time and say, I've really never trusted Him as my Lord and Savior. I've gone to church. I've gone through the motions. I've done all the things that I need to do, but I've never had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And know that I know that I know He is my Savior, my Lord, my King. He is my groom, and I'm His bride. I know. And if you don't know that, you can before you leave this place today because he invites you to himself his invitation is always open come come and he'll receive you no matter who you are no matter what's been done in your life he'll receive you maybe you need to be a member of this church in whatever ways the church would receive you and accept your membership maybe you just need to make a new commitment of your faith or whatever maybe I don't know what your need is God does and he's been speaking to you about it and if it needs some kind of public expression then after we pray and we begin this invitation, then you come and you allow God to do whatever he wants to in that time in your life. If it doesn't need a public expression, although most of the time it's weak when we don't go ahead and stand for it, but if it doesn't need public, then you just go and start being what you know you ought to be for the favor of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your great love for us and for all that you've done. Well, I can't even begin to imagine the kind of love that you have for us, I I can't fathom the majesty and the holiness all that you are and that in all that that takes in the fullness of God, whatever that is, that you have taken all of that and given it to me in your love that I might have possession of eternal life. Possession of the Savior. Possession of one who loves me and will never cease loving me. Father, I pray in these moments that we will just praise you. Whether we move in response publicly in any way, whether we do anything else, maybe in these moments of invitation, the best invitation that we can have for ourselves is just to where we are in our place. Just be silent and just tell you out of the depths of our being, we love you. We love you.